See. What time does the seven o'clock meeting start? Oh, that was weak. Try it again. What time does the seven o'clock meeting start? Seven o'clock. That's better. Y'all are sleeping. Thank you, Sean. Thank you to everybody. Welcome to position of neutrality. We always open meetings of position neutrality with a prayer. Chaplain Lee is in the house. Come on and stand to your feet all over the room. As we welcome all those in from the lobby, let's welcome the presence. Father, we thank you and we welcome you tonight into this place. We ask you, Lord, to speak through your manservant that these, your people, will be led and guided by you through him that they will hear what it is that they need to hear to keep them, to support them, to strengthen them, to build them, to restore them, to remind them who they are and whose they are. We thank you on tonight for everything you've done, everything you're doing, but most of all for what you're about to do. We give you all the praise, glory, and honor for who you are in the mighty name of Jesus. We thank you and we pray. Amen. And let everyone say amen. Thank you, Chaplain Lee. A um, couple of things before we get started. How many folks are here for the first time tonight? Anybody first time? Good deal. All right. So, first of all, welcome. And second, let us warn you in advance, you're liable to experience us just a little different than other meetings of other fellowships you may have attended. And the primary reason that's liable to happen is we intend for you to have a different experience here. So what we do here, we've been doing for a lot of years, we take a look at the suggested instruction for a step or so a week directly out of this book, and we use this book in 12-step recovery. Why? The process described by the authors of this book has been proven to work for addicts of the hopeless variety, addicts to alcohol and other substances, yes? Here at New Freedom, we've proven that this manner of living works for all kinds of human difficulties. We've proven with our population that if you have a criminal past, this manner of living can not only lift you up from it, but restore you from it, redeem you from it, and in so doing, redeem whole communities because of the experience y'all have here. True? And, and so this particular stream is going out all over the world tonight to wherever we don't know, but what we want to call attention to is we know for a fact it's going to all 33,000 tablets in the Arizona Department of Corrections. And we know for a fact it's going to 7,500 tablets in the Maricopa County Jail System. The reason I call that to your attention and the reason I'm dressed differently tonight, because I everyone knows that if I do something different, something's different's about to be said. It's like a cue, right? So we're at we're at a point where we developed a product so that we could send hope in to people who are incarcerated, even people that were in close custody and isolation or you know in, in, in solitary. Even in those dark places, we were able to reach them with a message of hope, telling them 
who they were, whose they were, and we got a home for you. And the redemptions from that have been so dramatic. The, the national average for recidivism is hovering at or above 50%. And we're coming up this Sunday. We'll be at our third full year of programming here. And if you graduate from our program, recidivism is 5% over three years. So the Spirit told a bunch of us that you can't contain that kind of good news. You gotta share it with the world. So for all of you in the world that wanna know the message that lifted all these men and women up and continuing to lift them up, we've developed a product and it's going to come to you on your phone before the end of the year. The same thing they see on their tablets. In fact, a much more developed product than that, a learning management system. They'll literally get the experience of being walked through the book by myself and a number of us here at New Freedom. So if you're listening online, reach out to Rodney and Jeremy and the folks. We'll be happy to read you in on what's up next. So tonight we're gonna take a look at step three with that little piece of news, that's why the hat. About a year ago, guys, if you're just following us new online, about a year ago we had a little thing with the Department of Access and Corrections and whoever, and somebody started a rumor about our imminent demise. And just a little over a year ago, I walked out here on this podium wearing a camel hair jacket to let you know the camels are coming. And, Many of you were here then, but now you look around, you can see the camel's been coming, bringing provision, bringing ready souls to, to help us do what we're here to do. And so let me tell you, the camel's got wings going out into 2024, and we're, we're going out. We're going out into the world. So tonight we're going to take a look at what that looks like, the manner of living. We're in step three, and we're going to start in a little chapter entitled How It Works, if you're following in your book, and it's in, on page 58 of your book. How many of you have been to an AA meeting before? All right, a few of you. That's a good start. So in most AA meetings I've ever been to, they start out and they give this little reading of how it works, and it's the first part of that chapter entitled How It Works, and it, in fact, is the wrap-up of steps one and two leading us to a third-step decision, right? and then lays out for us what that third step decision is. So we're going to do that and then walk through a little bit more of the experience to make sure everyone's clear on the decision as we launch into the rest of the series. Make sense? So it starts out, it says, Rarely have we seen a person fail who has thoroughly followed our path. Who's we? The first 100, and what's the name of the book? The story of how many thousands of men and women have recovered. So this is their testimony. Hopeless alcoholics, medically diagnosed as such, and they're telling the story of how they recovered, and they're saying, rarely have we seen a person fail who has thoroughly followed our path. Notice how they said path. 
A hundred people telling the story of thousands, one path. We're not here to tell you there's only one way to do it. We're here to tell you that's what they found, that there was one way to do it. I have similarly discovered there's one way to do it, and I fully embrace anyone else's discovery of another method if that's your insistence. Joe's Anonymous was a very lonely place, that's all I'm trying to say. So, it says, those who do not recover are people who cannot or will not completely give themselves to this simple program. Usually men and women who are constitutionally incapable of being honest with themselves. So you might want to ask yourself if you've had struggles in this manner of living, if you think yourself a cannot or a will not. Have you ever considered? How many of you have had struggles with this manner of living? How many of you didn't know it was a manner of living until someone... Okay. Um, so it says that we're usually men and women who are constitutionally incapable of being honest with themselves. So they said this as testimony, honest with themselves about what? That they're an alcoholic and have never safely drink again. There's no wrong answer. Do you agree with him? They've talked about a couple of sensory experiences that I have to get honest about to see whether I'm in this class and whether or not there's hope for me, those types of things. Shall we review? Might as well, right? Okay, so let's go back to the doctor's opinion. I think it's XXVII. But I'll check here in a second. Oh, my book's messed up. I got parts of it somewhere else. Well, you guys are taking all the fun out of it for me. I literally have pages where they're not supposed to be. Okay, I found... Okay, yeah, I'm on XXVIII, Roman numeral 28. Yeah? And I'm on the bottom of that page. It says, men and women drink essentially because they like the effect produced by alcohol. Sean apparently was a drinker. Any of you, any of you drinkers? Did you like the effect produced by alcohol? Are you sober tonight? Can you still bring to consciousness right now that sense of ease and comfort that comes at once by taking a drink? Wow, and some of you many years sober. But we still can bring to consciousness that effect, yes? Where's my opiate? Addicts, give yourself permission to go get a little bump. <laughs> so it says the sensation is so elusive that while they admit it injurious, they cannot after a time differentiate the true from the false. To them, their alcoholic life seems the only normal one. They are restless, irritable, and discontented and unless they can again experience the sense of ease and comfort that comes at once by taking a few drinks, Drinks which they see others taking with impunity. So how many of you have had more than one go at this? How many of you knew that you had an addictive disorder and you went out and started over again? 
So they talked to us that there was a point where we would not be able to bring to consciousness with sufficient force the memory of suffering and humiliation of even a week or a month ago. We were without defense. And why am I without defense? Because I can, sitting here many years sober, still bring to consciousness the sense of ease and comfort that comes at once by taking one. One whatever. Anyone else with me? Okay, so we got to be honest with about that because I need to monitor my level of restlessness, irritability, and discontent because that drink, whether it's two weeks ago, two years ago, or two decades ago, looks better and better the more restless, irritable, and discontent I am. Yes? Okay. So can we get honest with ourselves about that? All right, then let's go to page 52. 52. I might be wrong. I've been wrong before. This is the first time I've done this. Page 50. Sean was supposed to rein me in. So the bottom of page 50. So they're going to talk to us about what they found. If we acknowledge this restlessness, this irritability, my ability to bring to consciousness, now I've got to get honest about this. It said, here thousands of men and women, worldly indeed. They flatly declare that since they have come to believe in a power greater than themselves, to take a certain attitude toward that power, and to do certain simple things, there's been a revolutionary change in their way of living and thinking. How many of you have needed such a revolution in your way of living and thinking? How many of you have needed it while you were sober? Hence the manner of living, right? Okay, so it says, in the face of collapse and despair, in the face of the total failure of their human resources, they found that a new power, peace, happiness, and sense of direction flowed into them. How many of you thought that you traded active addiction for abstinence? That, that's what we teach in our fellowships, and we give out chips, and people, I, I need a one-day chip, and a two-day chip, and a three And holy fuck, I hope the day goes faster. But that's not what they said. They found that a new sense of power, peace, happiness, and sense of direction flowed into them. Not a drip or a trickle. How many of you felt a little flow? Anyone get a little bump of that? So they didn't trade in their active addiction for abstinence. They traded in their addiction for spiritual inebriation and a way of life that becomes infinitely more purposeful and happy. Does that make sense? All right. Can we get honest that we at least have had a little experience of the bump and we, are we there? Okay, well then you're not one of those who's constitutionally incapable of being honest with yourself. Right? So you're either a cannot or a will not. Right? Okay. Then it says, there are such unfortunates, they're not at fault. They seem to have been born that way. They're naturally incapable of grasping and developing a manner of living which demands rigorous honesty. So the manner of living is going to demand rigorous honesty of me, but I don't have to come here with it. That's perhaps the biggest lie we tell. None of us comes here with it. 
What we do is we start getting informed in the Spirit, and the Spirit illuminates our steps, and we walk it out. And we just become progressively better and freer. Yes? Okay. So it, it says that our stories disclose in a general way what we used to be like, what happened, and what we are like now. What we used to be like, not what it used to be like. I used to be selfish, dishonest, inconsiderate, full of fear, guilt, shame, and remorse. Anyone relate to me? I'm much less so today. I still have some of those characteristics from time to time, but I have a manner of living that promotes my capturing those thoughts, take captive every thought, and submit it to the power within me. Does that make sense? Okay. So if you've decided you want what we have and are willing to go to any length to get it, then you're ready to take certain steps. Notice how they did a promise and a condition all in one sentence. So to find out what it is they have, we have to go to their book because none of them are alive today. Do you want to know what they had and decide if you're willing to go to any lengths or certain lengths? Or... Okay, let's go back to page 25. Middle of page 25, the great fact is just this and nothing less, that we've had deep and effective spiritual experiences which have revolutionized our whole attitude toward life, toward our fellows, and toward God's universe. There you go, very good. We've got to, any of you following us for the first time, when we say God, you say Because we don't want anyone's prejudice to get in the way. We're talking about seeking power, yes? Okay. The central fact of our lives today is the absolute certainty that our Creator has entered into our hearts and lives in a way which is indeed miraculous. He has commenced to accomplish those things for us which we could never do by ourselves. Commenced to accomplish. God has commenced to accomplish things in me and through me that I could have never done on my own, and I can swear to you that's a fact because I don't, I'm living in a realm in here that I would never even have imagined. And many of you may be living similarly. Okay, so I told you what I was like. What happened is I encountered this power and they showed me how to walk it out and I've been walking it out ever since. We act our way into better thinking. Which is that'll start to make a little bit more sense when they lay out the process for us, right? So then it says, if you want what we have and you're willing to go to any length to get it, they said they had absolute certainty that their creator lives in their heart, dwells in them and through them. How many of you have had hope before and the hope faded? Now, how many of you can think of anything you were absolutely certain about in addiction? No, you guys went quiet on me. I was absolutely certain, no matter how bad it was or what consequence I faced, if I could get to the trap house, I could feel different. Anyone know what I'm talking about? It didn't matter what I had to face to get there. I knew if I could get there, I could get out of where I was. Okay, so that's the kind of certainty I need to pull me from where I've been. That's what they're promising they're delivering. If we want what they have and we're willing to go to the end like to get it, you too can have the absolute certainty 
that your creator lives in you and through you. You want that. Some of you are feeling that. I can tell you want it. All right, then. Now they're going to tell us about the process right away because they told us what we can have. And then they said, at some of these, we balked. Any of you relate to, I want it, but I don't want to work for it? Okay. Okay. So I said, we thought we could find an easier, softer way, but we could not. Why do you think we emphasize the one path they talked about? We all think we can find an easier, softer way. Even many years into the walk, we think we can. Yep. Okay. So, but we could not. With all the earnestness at our command, we beg of you to be fearless and thorough from the very start. Some of us have tried to hold on to our old ideas, and the result was nil until we let go absolutely. How many of you have tried to hold on to your old ideas? How many of you tried to hold on to your old identity while you wanted to walk and be recognized in your new one? Yeah, man, don't straddle the fence coming back from where you've been. You gotta, you gotta walk away, leave, leave prison in prison. Leave, leave that silliness behind you. That ain't, that ain't not who you are. That is not whose you are. Remember that we deal with alcohol, cunning, baffling, powerful. Without help, it's too much for us. But there is one who has all power. That one is? God. That's really good. That one is God. May you find him now. May you find him now. Where are we going looking? Were you here last week? Deep down inside, we're going looking. We aren't looking out there. We're not looking for a new theology. I am looking for a relationship with a restorative power that will change my life. So then it says half measures availed us nothing. We already went through that. Okay? We stood at the turning point. What's the turning point? I, I, I can't have it both ways. I'm either taking the spiritual way of life or I'm going to continue to blot out my consciousness the best I can. Right? I can't, I've already proven I cannot live abstinent in this world. I've got to be somehow getting ease and comfort. Am I going to get it from the world where it's always fleeting or am I going to get it from the well within me? There's no gray areas, guys. It's just straight up. We got a lot of grace, but we got to pick. Okay? So they said, we ask his protection and care with complete abandon. Now, you can't do that if you don't understand the process you're about to enter, so we're going to spend a little time talking about what that process is. That's the whole point of tonight, so you can make a conscious decision to move forward. Yes? Okay? So it says, here are the steps we took which are suggested as a program of recovery. The only thing I want to say to you, if you've had a lot of fellowship, we love the fellowship, but that's not the program. Otherwise, they would have said, here's the meetings we made which are suggested as a program of recovery. But they didn't say that, did they? Here are the steps we took which are suggested as a program of recovery. It's the first few steps in a manner of living that is life-altering 
and life-sustaining. I'll take the very worst experiences of my life and I'll use those experience, experiences to avert suffering and misery for thousands of others. And I'm not overstating it. We've treated over 4,000 of you here and most of us are just like you. And we took our past and we put it to work for him and we're averting suffering for thousands. So I'm going to not read the steps because I don't want to scare anyone. I'm going to go. <laughs> I'm going to go to page 60. You all know which step you fear the most. Maybe it's the first one. Maybe it's the fourth one. Maybe it's the fifth one. Maybe it's the ninth one. I don't know. Doesn't matter. But what they say is, many of us exclaim, "What an order! I can't go through with it." Yep. Yes. Yeah. Do not be discouraged. No one among us has been able to maintain anything like perfect adherence to these principles. If you ever wondered what the principles are we practice in all our affairs, they made it pretty clear. They're contained in the steps. They're contained in this book. We'll get there when we get there, but I'm going to have to learn to live by being rigorously honest with what's going on within me and quit blaming the world for the way I think and feel. Does it make sense? Okay. So it says, we're not saints. The point is that we're willing to grow along spiritual lines. The principles we've set down are guides to progress. We claim spiritual progress rather than spiritual perfection. Our description of the alcoholic, the chapter to the agnostic, and our personal adventures before and after make clear three pertinent ideas. A, that we were alcoholic and could not manage our own lives. Anybody there? Substitute whatever. Doesn't matter. This is a human condition. We're going to see that. Um, that probably no human power could have relieved our alcoholism. True. Have you decided that if you were going to will your way out of it, you might have done it by now? Yeah. Have you had plenty of others try and lock you up, chain you down, stop you from doing what you do, and you found a way to do it anyway? Yeah. So probably no human power can stop it, right? Okay. And see that God could and would if he were sought. Now, if you haven't had your encounter in two and that you know that when we talk to you of God, we're talking to you of power, peace, happiness, a sense of direction flowing into you, provided we take some simple steps, right? There is an encounter and then there's a process. But in that process is the preparation and along that way, there's much joy and a lot of signs and wonders following you. Yeah. Understand? Yeah. I got people sitting in here been doing this for 40 years, 30 years, a couple of you. Yeah, lots of years, lots of years. And there's a reason they keep doing it. Um, so it says being convinced we're at step three. Being convinced of what? A B, and C. A, B, and C. All right. Which is that we decided to turn our will and our life over to God as we understood him. Just what do we mean by that and what do we do? Now understand when they say God as we understood him, that's not the same as God of your understanding. We've taught that for years in our fellowships and it's simply not true. That's not what they said. They said God as we understood him 
and they understood him to be a tangible sensory experience of power from within. Does that make sense? As long as we're talking about the same experience, then absolutely I'm going to grow in understanding as I walk out this thing because I'm going to get that mind. I'm going to get that spirit informing my steps. Does that make sense? Okay. So they question, what do we mean by that and what do we do? The first requirement is that we be convinced that any life run on self-will can hardly be a success. So are you convinced? Based on what? <laughs> I hadn't heard that one before. All these years, you've never thrown that up. Um, how, many, how many of the rest of you are just based on your own experience? To Sean's point, it's a good, good perspective. Not only do we see other people, but we even get to play a bit part in introducing them to the power if we continue in the manner of living, don't we? How many of you guys have been here like 60, 70 days and now you can't wait to meet the guy, new one coming in blues to tell them all the stuff that's going on and how excited you are? It doesn't take long. It doesn't take long, does it? I feel you doing it. Okay, so we're not talking about how my life run on self-will can hardly be a success. I've proven that. I've got to quit looking around me and judging what's going on within me based on what I think I see you getting or doing. Does that make sense? Any life. If they're run on self-will, it can't be a success. And if they're running on divine will, I best get out of the way or get on board. And you can assess that by whatever. All right. So on that basis, we're almost always in collision with something or somebody, even though our motives are good. How many of you had that experience? You don't have to be loaded to get in a mess. Okay, so it says most people try to live by self-propulsion. These guys were intentional. They used the words they meant. They meant the words they said. They agreed on every word. If they wanted to talk to us about addicts or alcoholics, they would have said most alcoholics. They didn't. They said most people try to live by self-propulsion. Each person is like the actor who wants to run the whole show, is forever trying to arrange the lights, the ballet, the scenery, and the rest of the players in his own way. If his arrangements would only stay put, if only people would do as he wished, the show would be great. How many of you have sort of thought that from time to time, or maybe never really thought about it? Sort of thought if they would just do it right. If you were married to her, you'd drink too, for any of you guys. Not this one. I'm just examples. I'm digging in deep here, Sean. You're not helping me. Everybody, including himself, would be pleased. Life would be wonderful. In trying to make these arrangements, our actor may sometimes be quite virtuous. He may be kind, considerate, patient, generous, even modest and self-sacrificing. Thank you. Anybody besides Sean see yourself there? Kind, considerate, modest, self-sacrificing. Come on. I should see a lot of hands. I know. But we, we like to think we got to tell everyone how selfish we are. That's nonsense. You're human. You probably had good intention even though you didn't act in your intention. So if you don't figure that out, you're never going to like anybody else either. Okay. 
On the other hand, he may be mean, egotistical, selfish, and dishonest. How many of you have had that experience? A few of you. <laughs> All right. That's good. But as with most humans, he's more likely to have varied traits. Doesn't it make sense that we're going to, in the very next step, we're going to ask for power, we're going to go within, and we're going to find out what I was like, what happened, what I'm like now. I'm going to search fearlessly within me, and I'm going to find out whether, you know, on balance, I'm selfish, dishonest. Where, where, doesn't it make sense I would want to know that about me if I'm getting ready to start a man or a living? Okay. So then it says, what usually happens? What usually happens? What has happened in the past to any of you? Well, it says the show doesn't come off very well. He begins to think life does not treat him right. He decides to exert himself more. He becomes on the next occasion still more demanding or gracious as the case may be. Notice how they're not picking one from the other. It's still a line of self. How many of you have just tried to people please your way into complete oblivion? How many of you just tried to will your way into complete oblivion? Did you meet each other in oblivion? So we ain't judging which you are, but find yourself there. Because we're going to improve your consciousness so you don't have to have a false persona. You can be who God says you are. Some of you have felt that. Okay, so it says, still the play does not suit him. Admitting he may be somewhat at fault, he's sure that other people are more to blame. He becomes angry, indignant, self-pitying. What is his basic trouble? So when they write a question mark in this book, it's your opportunity to go inward. Eyesight without insight is spiritual blindness. So what I need to know is what is my basic trouble? If I'm relating, what is my basic trouble? Are we there? Okay. And it says another question. Is he not really a self-seeker even when trying to be kind? How many of you have thought you were being kind and then later found that you had a motive that you were unaware of? That's the nature of delusion, right? I gave you something completely out of kindness, then you didn't respond in a way that I thought you should, and as a result, I was angry at you. So I didn't do it out of kindness. I did it as a transactional exchange for your affection. Yes? That was not my intent, but that's what was revealed to me, yes? So then it says, is he not a victim of the delusion that he can wrest satisfaction and happiness out of this world if only he manages well? Did any of you recognize that me managing life well was a delusion? Some of you, if you live long enough, you'll realize this idea that there was a world here before I got here. Yeah? Likelihood is, having watched a lot of people leave it, there's a world here after I go. And there's a whole lot of stuff I didn't plan that happened to me along the way. Anyone else? So it's pure delusion for me to assume that everything's going to be wonderful if I manage well. I don't care how many times they teach that in success books. So it says, is it not evident to all the rest of the players that these are the things he wants? Any of you ever been out there telling everybody what a spiritual gangster you were and 
setting the world on fire and somebody suspected you might not be quite that? And do not his actions make each of them wish to retaliate, snatching all they can get out of the show? Any of you ever run around pretending you were in charge and someone found out you weren't really in charge? In fact, they thought they were in charge. Now you got an argument over who's in charge. Ain't nobody in charge. So then it says, is he not even in his best moments a producer of confusion rather than harmony? How many of you could relate to what they're saying, the frustration of, I really tried. I tried to live up to what they wanted me to be. I tried to be this for them. And I never felt quite right, but I did my best, and still they don't like me. Anybody? So it says, let's, if we're still relating to what they're talking about, this actor they're talking about, let's see if we can... See a little more in the story. Our actor is self-centered, egocentric, as people like to call it nowadays. He's like the retired businessman who lolls in the Florida sunshine in the winter, complaining of the sad state of the nation. The minister who sighs over the sins of the 20th century, politicians and reformers who are sure all would be utopia if the rest of the world would only behave. The outlaw safecracker who thinks society has wronged him and the alcoholic who has lost all and is locked up. Whatever our protestations, are not most of us concerned with ourselves, our resentments, or our self-pity? They're talking to me about what they discovered about themselves, what I've discovered about me. Before I ever really see you, I see through the lens of my own thoughts. There's another book that says, how can you see the speck in your brother's eye when you can't see the plank in your own eye? Better you should have that plank removed from your eyes so you can better see to help your brother. So they're talking to me about why I lack perspective because although I can clearly see your plight, I cannot see my own because of the blindness of my perspective. Does that make sense? Okay. So it says selfishness, self-centeredness, that we think is the root of our trouble. Now, not in a bad way or a good way. I simply see things from my perspective and absolutely will not tolerate yours. In fact, I can't even envision yours. Any of you ever get so knotted up in what you were trying to accomplish that something got in the way of what you were trying to accomplish and you developed a whole conspiracy theory about how they plotted to do that to you? And the thing is, we learn is most of these people haven't thought that much about us at all. But what we want to do is start unwinding that so our perspective grows. If insanity is the appalling lack of perspective, then the secret is for my perspective to grow. And my perspective grows when I quit judging you and start lifting you. Does that make sense? Okay, so it says, driven by a hundred forms of fear, self-delusion, self-seeking, and self-pity... We step on the toes of our fellows and they retaliate. Sometimes they hurt us seemingly without provocation, but we invariably find that at some time in the past we've made decisions based on self which later placed us in a position to be hurt. Now that one often resonates badly with people who have had bad experiences in childhood or even as adults and they've been harmed by others physically or emotionally and no one is suggesting 
that if that's you, because it's probably most of us at some point, that you had anything to do with that initial hurt. But what we are suggesting is there is a manner of living that will make sense out of that hurt for you if you'll participate. So even if you had no part in what you suffer from, your unforgiveness is killing you. Does that make sense? And you won't know that until you walk it out a little bit. I'll guarantee you everything I ever went through, some things quite traumatic, I've had opportunities to share the redemption I've experienced with somebody along the way, and all of a sudden, didn't necessarily make sense of why I had to go through it, but I was grateful that I was empowered to have gotten through it because I got to feel the healing experience when I got to share it with another brother. Does that make sense? I'm trying to say life doesn't suck sometimes. I'm saying embrace the suck. <laughs> Take it like you chose it because it's prepping you for something better. Okay, so our troubles we think are basically of our own making. So where'd they say the main problem of the alcoholic was? In his mind, and where's the solution found? Deep down inside, so neither the problem nor the solution are external, right? So it says they arise out of ourselves and the alcoholic, well, wait a minute, now they are talking about me, perhaps you. They're not saying people anymore says the alcoholic is an extreme example of self-will run riot, though he usually doesn't think so. People, they just regular examples of self-will run riot. I have determined I'm alcoholic. Anyone else? Addicted disorder to something. I'm an extreme example of self-will run riot, and I don't think so. What's the chances I can live long and happily in this world. It's not looking good for me, is it? So it says, above everything, above everything, we alcoholics must be rid of this selfishness. I don't have to get rid of this selfishness for you, and I don't need for you to get rid of your selfishness. I don't survive well in the personal destruction of active addiction and I harm people I don't intend to harm, and if I don't want that pattern to continue in my life, I must get rid of this selfishness. I must, or it kills me. Does that make sense? So it says God makes that possible. Power makes that possible. If lack of power is my dilemma, but that same power that I now know tangibly within me makes this redemption possible, then I'm standing at that turning point, aren't I? And there often seems no way of entirely getting rid of self without his aid. A lot of people argue that point. I suggest to you, do your own little test. It's impossible to get rid of self without a power greater than myself doing it, because the minute I'm aware of self, there I am. How many of you have gone out to do something really selfless? Feed the poor. How many of you took a selfie of it? (laughs) 
How many of you have had a spiritual awakening as a result of the steps and now endeavors to help others? Anybody? Good, a bunch of you. How many of you have had the experience of taking somebody through their process and knowing things without any possibility of knowing it, being formed in the spirit? You guys may not know that, but what happens, we'll be taking somebody through their steps and they're so dead in the spirit, they don't even know what's coming. They're not capable of emotion. And all of a sudden, tears will be running down our cheek. Because we're feeling the emotion. We're, we're the source of life for them, carrying that burden for them. Anyone know what I'm talking about? And eventually, you'll grow into the ability to emote, and that'll really piss you off. You'll be like Kat, uh, Carrie Ann and I. You walk around crying like a blubbering baby all the time. <laughs> Me too. All right, so... It says, many of us had moral and philosophical convictions galore, but we could not live up to them even though we would have liked to. How many of you have known what it meant to be honorable, to be trustworthy, faithful? How many of you betrayed somebody in all those things? We had moral and philosophical convictions. It wasn't that we didn't believe it. Didn't mean I wasn't convicted. But lack of power was my dilemma. Yeah? Okay. Neither could we reduce our self-sitterness much by wishing or trying on our own power. We had to have God's help. Uh-oh, you're mesmerized or you're sleeping. What happened? We had to have God's help. This is the how and the why of it. Wait a minute. The how and the why of it? What do we mean? What do we do? Then we went for... Three or four pages, I've been rambling for 35 minutes, and now we're back to the same damn question. What happened? There's a lot to unpack, isn't there? In this, to see how I'm really thinking. Okay? All right, so this is the how and the why of it. First of all, we had to quit playing God. Oh, yeah, we, really, we literally lost you there. We had to quit playing God. Why? It didn't work. Next, we decided that here and after in this drama of life, God was going to be our director. He's the principal, we're his agents. He's the father, and we're his children. Most good ideas are simple, and this concept was the keystone of the new and triumphant arch through which we passed to freedom. What concept? So they just told you who you were? and whose you were, whether you believe it or not. I guarantee you, you didn't get here without some deliverance, because you got chosen to come here. <laughs> I've even met people who gamed their way here thinking that they are fooling us, and then they got here and started walking around here and experiencing the power that flows through here, and they got changed in spite of their motives. Yeah? So when we sincerely took such a position, what position? God's a director, and I'm a child of that director. All sorts of remarkable things followed. Any of you students of that other book? Signs and wonders follow us. We had a new employer being all-powerful, 
He provided what we needed if we kept close to him and performed his work well. So how do I stay close to this power I've just encountered? We've learned that the power they call God is tangible sensory power from within. So somebody, well, fellowship in the spirit and fellowship with man once I'm awakened. But the reality is I want to improve consciousness, the awareness of being aware of that power in and on my life so I can walk out. I don't even have to announce to you who I am and whose I am. When you meet me, you'll know something's different and you'll start asking me the right questions and I'll introduce you to who you are. Part of that product we're about to launch, we call it Restoring Identity. You know that's what happened. You know what ADCRR did to you people, right? They took your identity. And God said, nope, send them to the New Freedom. We're going to get them back. And then we're going to go get the rest of them. And if you're sitting there now, we got a place for you. You better shout out to Douglas, Perryville, Yuma. Come on. Safford, Globe, Kingman, holler them out, give them to me. I love it, man. They, they do hear you. It's delayed. They won't see it till tomorrow or the next day, but they, they will see you and hear you. And you remember when you got mail or a shout out, come on. And the rest of the world, we're coming for y'all, too. <laughs> Established on such a footing, we became less and less interested in ourselves, our little plans and designs. How many of you have discovered along the way that the plans and designs that you may have used to have for yourself were a little small compared to the plan and design that he has for you? You guys know the history of this place? Well, I don't want to bore them. Look, man, um, Denise and I, she always wrote a few people. We, would, we got letters from people that saw these videos in the Florence complex. We started writing to them. We started driving out every other weekend or every weekend. We'd pick somebody up from a yard. We'd bring them back here. We'd pass a hat. We'd, we'd pay for a week or two in a halfway house, do whatever we could. We'd buy them go to the thrift store, buy them some clothes, go to wherever and get them some hygiene. It would take two or three days to get all that done for one person. And we started praying about it, and then one day at a, at a CMA meeting, this Asian couple came up, and I say Asian because it's just so weird that an Asian couple's at a CMA meeting. <laughs> and not because I'm trying to be racist, but I mean, they were like fresh off the boat Asian like couldn't hardly speak English, but they owned a church and they wanted to give the church to us. And they didn't even know why. I don't think they could even understand what I had just gotten through saying, but they wanted to give us this church. So Denise and I and another bunch of people thought, well, we'll take this church, Karen knows, we'll take this church and we'll turn it into a house for maybe 20 men coming back. We'll be able to do this for 20 men. And so Karen, Karen 22, was it 22? 
Huh? 32? So Karen was there packing stuff in and out of there even after we moved on. Anyway, our little plan and design was this is what we were going to do, humble beginnings. And we could not get zoning clearance. We literally gave the church back to these people because we couldn't do anything with it. But along the way, we met the financial partner that eventually did this. And we went in and we, we pitched him and said, so we got this idea. We want to bring, you know, three, 400 men and women freshly out of prison. And we want to plop them right in there at Metro Center. <laughs> what could go wrong? So God arranged a God arranged a pandemic. Some of you might have heard about it. First time in a hundred years, everything in society shut down worldwide. And you know what happened out of that? We needed seven variances to open this place. We had a zoning hearing with our colossal idea of 400 men and women fresh out of prison in the middle of Phoenix. No one showed up at that zoning hearing because it was COVID. So a year ago, Sunday, three years ago, Sunday, we started with 40 men and women, and we had a few coming trickling to us before that. And we were riding maybe 150, 200 people by then. Denise and her team, Maddie's team now, they're now riding 7,200, 7,300 every month. <laughs> Remember, I was trying to show you my little plans and designs versus his little plans and designs. And he is no respecter of position. I can assure you what he did for me, he has much more in store for you. That's all I got. I'm gonna, <laughs> okay, so this is why we want to let go of our little plans and designs. Start moving in the spirit. Start serving. Because if you lose what you think should happen and embrace what is happening, I promise you miracles in your life. So it says, established on such a footing, we became less and less interested in ourselves, our little plans and design, and more and more, we became interested in seeing what we could contribute to life. Why do you think I started this session tonight telling you about the product we're about to launch out into the world that we started with y'all? We, we started doing this meeting about 17 years ago, something like that, in a little place in Sunny Slope that it wasn't safe to go. So it says, as we felt new power flow in, new power, what's that mean? New, unlike anything I've ever experienced before. Power, peace, happiness, sense of direction flowing in. As we enjoyed peace of mind, how many of you could use a little peace of mind? As we discovered we could face life successfully. That's so poignant for all you men and women who are programming here. How many of you are programming here now? Family members supporting them? Okay. You can face life successfully. This is for you to stand in, saturate in, and understand we're restoring to you who you are and whose you are. And our intentionality is all about celebrating what's being done with your 
participation in this divine plan. Yes? Okay. You can face life successfully. You are facing life successfully. As we became conscious of his presence. Now see how they're talking about what's going to happen to me as I walk out the manner of living? I'm going to be aware that I'm aware that there is power, peace, happiness, and direction in my life. So much so that it overflows and I can offer it to others. How many of you are already seeing that? Wayne's crying now. <laughs> we began to lose our fear of today, tomorrow, or the hereafter. We are reborn. Self has to die. The process is a real-life crucifixion of my will apart from the power that animates me. Does that make sense? So then it says we're now at step three. They said that four pages ago too, didn't they? Want to say it all together? How many of you got this memorized? Yeah. Well, let's try it, and then we'll get through the rest of the instructions. God, I offer myself to thee to build with me and to do with me as thou will. Relieve me of the bondage of self that I may better do thy will. Take away my difficulties that victory over them may bear witness to those I would help of thy power, thy love, and thy way of life. May I do thy will always. Don't add an amen, ain't one there. I'm just asking for power to look in. I'm afraid to look in. I'm not, I'm not asking for agreement until I know what I've found. Does that make sense? The whole point of the searching and fearless moral inventory is to go find that treasure within me. And i got to go examine all the what I was likes and get them out of the way because in spite of what I was like, he redeemed me. Does that make sense? So it says, we thought, well, before taking this step, making sure we were ready, that we could at last abandon ourselves utterly to him. So we want to think about this decision. How many of you are talking King James language? Just, just Sean and maybe one in the back. So most of us don't talk in King James language, and so we want to say to you, you don't have to talk in King James language. Not because I say so, but the authors are going to tell you that. We found it very desirable to take this spiritual step with an understanding person such as our wife, best friend, or spiritual advisor, but it's better to meet God alone than with one who might misunderstand. The wording was, of course, quite optional, so long as we express the idea voicing it without reservation. They told you that they learned that they had to fully concede to their innermost selves that they were alcoholic. That was the first step in recovery. The very first step in recovery is obviously this third step decision, right? I cannot fully concede to that power. I cannot voice without reservation something based on a lie, can I? I really gotta mean I wanna be empowered in this new manner of living. And I got to really know that I need to be empowered because otherwise I'm going to return to what I know because that's what I do. Okay? So it says this was only a beginning, though if honestly and humbly made an effect, sometimes a very great one was felt at once. So there's your thing. If you're looking for that, you might go to your room, say your own prayer. But if you mean it, an effect, sometimes a very great one 
will be felt at once. That's it. Next week, you're on four. Thanks. <laughs>